I believe that every leaf on every plant should be perfect when you're trying to cure cancer. Welcome to Dead Tour Tales. As we approach the final tour for Dead & Company, summer 2023, we wanted to document the experiences of fellow deadheads and tourheads we've met along the way, including some of the legendary figures who've played a larger part in keeping the wheel of the Grateful Dead experience and culture rolling. We've met some pretty cool friends and characters along the way, and we felt this was a good opportunity to sit down, shoot the shit, and share with you some tales, both adventuresome and sometimes tragic, and usually psychedelic. Buckle up, kids. It's Dead Tour Tales time. Hey everybody, welcome back to Dead Tour Tales. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, we have a, a special 420 episode today. Uh, very 420 appropriate. Okay. We have our our friend, uh, our friends, uh, Hillary Clarkson and Brett Luscombe uh, in the studio shooting the shit with us today. And uh, we we get to rap about uh, you know mostly Hillary. Uh, Growing up uh, in New York, deadhead, going to shows, wetlands, uh, you know, falling in tight with blues traveler in the 90s, moving out to California, settling in the Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, finding her way to growing uh, cannabis and doing some cool things with cannabis. And then, of course, the legalization in California, and then moving out to Maine, uh, act in Maine when her current endeavor with Brett old school farms, uh, and some of the great work that they're doing with pediatric cancer patients, um, with, uh, was it FICO, uh, full extract cannabis oils. So, uh, some fascinating stuff, uh, being a service. So check it out. Hope you enjoy We've got Hillary Clarkson with a little bit of Brett Luscombe. Happy 420. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Dead Tour Tales. Uh, we're in for a real treat today. Um, been really looking forward to this episode since uh, we first started discussing it with our guest. Uh, I think we have a really important episode again today. Uh, our friend Hillary Clarkson is with us. Uh, her and her her dude, Brett, uh, how do you say Brett's last name? Luscombe. Luscombe. Brett Luscombe. They're doing some big things, some really important things in Acton, Maine with their farm, old school, old school farms, right? Yeah. Old school farms. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get into some of that, but, uh, yeah, this is going to be an important episode. We're super stoked and honored to have you, Hillary. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. Um, we truly are spread across the country today, which is kind of cool. So, you know, I'm in Santa Cruz, California, which Hillary is very familiar with. Brandon is in Cincinnati as always. And, and we have Hillary and Brett with us uh, from Acton, Maine today. So uh, again, welcome to the show, Hillary. Uh, super stoked you're here. Before we get into it, I want to, I want to just take a minute and read uh, some bio information about what you and Brett 
are doing. Okay. And then we'll, in a little bit, we'll get into some more backstory and, you know, we'll shoot the shit about the Grateful Dead. And, uh, but really I want to hear more about this because this is fucking amazing and, uh, people need to learn about this and hear about what you're doing because it's, it's really impressive and it's saintly to be honest with you. So, okay. So a little bit about what Brett and Hillary are doing with old school farms. Old School Farms is a family-owned organic cannabis farm situated in southern Maine. It is owned and operated exclusively by Brett and Hillary. Hillary grows and cares for the plants while Brett maintains the facilities and makes the full extract cannabis oil, FICO, medicine. Hillary is a graduate of Sage Femme Midwifery School while Brett is a decorated wartime Navy veteran, cancer and chemotherapy survivor. They've been in the cannabis industry for decades. In fact, in January of 1996, on the first day it was available in the United States, Hillary got her medical marijuana caregiver's license. These two were trained and mentored by the best legacy cannabis growers from the Santa Cruz Mountains. They're dedicated to growing the best possible cannabis and are passionate about relieving the suffering of others. Due to this passion, they process their harvest into high quality full extract cannabis oil, again, FICO medicine. They began making the FICO medicine about 10 years ago for a dear friend of theirs who was suffering greatly with fourth stage breast cancer. Being the people they are, they immediately began turning the organic cannabis they grew into full extract cannabis oil and were able to relieve her suffering greatly. Since then, the organic sun-grown full extract cannabis oil has been handed from friend to friend and family member to family member. It has not only relieved suffering, but has also completely eliminated all signs of many cancers, symptoms of multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, and dementia. Relieved relieved painful arthritis and clearly and cleared many skin disorders such as psoriasis and eczema for many patients. The results they're seeing with their cancer protocol are outright amazing, especially with treating pediatric brain tumors and cysts. Many children taking their fecal medicine have been declared NED. What is NED? No evidence of disease. No evidence of disease. And have had zero reoccurrence of cancer, even for the most extremely aggressive cancers. This is not a hollow claim as their patient's progress has been clearly documented with scans, x-rays, and blood work. Brett and Hillary believe strongly that you cannot harm a child into health via chemo. They plan on working directly with the families that choose to use cannabis medicine immediately upon diagnosis. They believe, and their results have shown, that tumors and cysts react quickly to the fecal medicine, shrinking them dramatically within weeks of beginning treatment. It is their desire to allow the fecal medicine to shrink the tumors and cysts prior to traditional treatments that harm the child and can damage them permanently. Old School Farm's mission is to change the statistics for pediatric cancer and relieve the level of suffering of the children who have undergone traditional treatments. They feel the best thing they can do is to set up a team of highly educated, like-minded people to help as many as possible explore the best avenue for healing their condition while supporting the entire family. Old School Farms is not a business, it is a blessing, and Hillary and Brett are truly the captains of Team Awesome. If you are open to or understand that nutritional science and cannabis medicine hand-in-hand is the true path to treating many pediatric cancers without harming the child in the process, then please please join us to help them help others. Wow. That's good shit. Yeah. 
by one of my St. Jude moms who just started a nonprofit to try and fund our work because we donate to all the kids and they're just, there's so many people coming to us. We personally can't supply that much medicine, period. There's no way he and I could do it in our 50s. There's 10,000 kids a year diagnosed with cancer in this country, so. Wow. What have you thought about, I'm sure you have, setting up a network of cannabis uh, cultivators and farms uh, to work together to, I mean, maybe create well, some kind of, you know, network you know, or system to. No, I'm a, ugh, I, I have to be in charge of, we're trying to get the funding so that we can, the family um, can, the Scott family can grow the cannabis medicine the way we do with the same nutrients and make it exactly small batch, exactly the way we do it. So that it's the kids whose lives have been saved. Those are the families that have started a nonprofit where they pulled in caregivers, doc, top doctors and from St. Jude and all over the world. So we now, instead of these people, they call me and I don't know a lot of things that somebody who would advise these, families. I know about cannabis, but I don't know about chemotherapy and how to properly read blood work and scans and all that kind of stuff. So now we have a team of doctors and pediatric cancer consultants is the nonprofit. And so we're trying to grow the the medicine ourselves, but just not Brett and I do it, but the families of the children. That's really smart. Wow. Yeah, get them involved more and, and, and uh, kind of let them be a little the bit. same medicine. If <clears throat> right. we had different farmers, I mean, growing cannabis in California is so different than growing cannabis in Maine. Everything is different. And I have 27 strains in it. So a lot of places you couldn't grow that many strains and that would be issues. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. So. I, I, had a, I had a quick question. Um, is there... Is there a certain, you know, pediatric cancer that this works really well with? It's, it's, really it's like, is there one that, okay. Okay. It's the best at brain, soft tissue, basically. Okay. But we, the, it's, when you show the scans, when we're doing this, the scans of the children, it's unbelievable. So I think the brain tumors and cysts, it works really, really well on. But really what we're seeing, we have, um, the endocannabinoid system and receptors all through mm-hmm. this area of our body. So we're seeing great results with all sorts of pediatric cancers, leukemia, um, Langerhans. We've treated some kids with no pharmaceuticals at all. Um, so that's brain is what we're really going for. We're doing, I'm right now in the middle of a 12 week test with a little three year old girl, no no pharmaceuticals whatsoever, scanned at St. Jude, 12 weeks on my medicine, over a gram a day, and then scanned again. So that's a big scam for us. That'll be May 4th is that scan. Maybe, no, May 16th. Sorry, May 16th is that scan. It's just, this is really, I mean, it's really exciting and interesting. I mean, my father, who he just actually passed away, um, was a pathologist. So he would have been very interested in learning a lot about this because he's looked at cancer he looked at cancer for 50 years and telling people what was going on, what they had to do, you know, dealing with the people that, you know, the different surgeons. And so, yeah, I mean, it's very, very interesting. This is very good news. 
Yeah, this is awesome. Seeing, you know, I've, I've witnessed, I'm sure we all have uh, a number of people go through their bouts with cancer, you know, and, and uh, chemotherapy and yeah, I mean, people are going to do what they need to do to get well, you know, but it's w- watching people undergo chemotherapy is heartbreaking and the lasting results of, you know, the damage that occurs from, from chemotherapy, all those chemicals, you know, is uh, sometimes worse than the, the cancer, uh, you know, so to, to have a, a harm-free treatment like this is, yeah, is really exciting. And I've been following you on social media for quite a while. And I see the scan results that you post that you share with, with us, with the public. Uh, and it is awesome. I mean, it lights me up when I see it. I think what you guys are doing is really amazing work. Uh, and, and I incur what's that? It feel, I, I think it feels better than winning the lottery. Like oh, when, I'm sh- when we take children that were uh, hospice and they're back in school and their tumors are gone and they're not, it's the best feeling. It really is like as a mom and as a, like, I love it. I, yeah. When there's all those big, I love it. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Seriously. I'm sure I can tell. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the work you guys are doing is incredible. I, there's no overemphasizing that at all. And, uh, for anybody listening, I strongly encourage you to follow uh, Hillary and Brett and Old School Farms and, you know, uh, witness what, what they're doing because it's awesome. I love seeing the stuff that you guys share and, you know, know that and I've told you this in person, know that I'm supporting and, and cheering you guys on and, and watching in awe. So uh, it's really cool. Uh, and I love, too, your connection to Santa Cruz, of course, you know, so well, which we'll get into. I mean, yeah. really, this started out by just donating to deadheads. You know, once we started seeing what this could do, Rich Morosky, a deadhead from New Jersey, his wife, Denise, he was suffering with MS. He was bedridden for three years. I just started, I'd never even met him. Boom, his MS, he's fine to this day. Like, we really kicked his MS. And and wow. so it's gone from deadhead to deadhead. I got this little girl, Gray, from St. Jude, whose mom's the one that started Pediatric Cancer Consultants, um, throw Stacy Wynn out of Santa Cruz. She was like, because I donate to deadheads, she messaged me, you've got to check out this girl. Boom. Now I'm getting all this attention and have access to all these other children and now we have over 20 kids on our medicine every day, and wow. they've all been on it a long time now, a lot of them. Not all, because there's always new kids coming in. But so we see it. There, there really is so much magic uh, within our community, you know, and uh, on so many different levels and from so many different directions. You know, it's really it's amazing, uh, you know. From this band that started in, you know, 1965 to what's happening now and, you know, all the the webs that it's spun is really, you know, no pun intended where the word spun uh, is really, (laughs) really incredible and and beautiful. And I I love every bit of it and I'm here for all of it. Uh, Okay, real quick, I I, want to see, I wish people could see the setup in your room right now because it's really a sight uh, to behold. It's really beautiful and amazing and um you know, if you could take yeah, if you could take the camera around just a little bit and just kind of show us, uh, she's got these big beautiful plants, uh, some red artwork on the wall, some some medicine uh, on the desk, uh, some fico on the desk. Uh, you'll have to uh, see anything here. Let him flip it around. All right. I don't 
do this stuff. Brett's, <laughs> Brett's taking control right on Brett. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, the bio live we use. Okay. Flying skull, which I think changes people's lives. I'm obsessed with flying skull. Tell us what flying skull is for, for those that don't know. Flying skull is for any garden, cannabis, regular, and it gets rid of powdery mildew. It's organic. It dissipates. It doesn't show up in lab testing. And it's just, I'm obsessed with it. It keeps my plants gorgeous. Um, I, I believe wow. that every leaf on every plant should be perfect when you're trying to cure cancer. So... I just am really obsessed with the color of my leaves. I like really dark leaves. Now, when they first, as the ones that are growing through the middle, they're they're lighter, but they get darker. Right, so right. I'm just, these are my out, I only really grow outdoor, um, but I veg indoors in the winter. So these will be my outdoor plants that will be harvested in October. So I grow them really big so that when I put them out, I can put big cages around them and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get large yield of high quality cannabis to make the medicine. So this is the salve that we use. It's really good for neuropathy, but it's also great lube and all sorts of lovely things. When I was sick, I put it on my heart, my face, whatever. I'm obsessed with the salve. They call it miracle rub. One of the moms named it because their child used to have to be on morphine patches. And then once they started using this, which I make it with 20, 36 ounces of coconut oil to three ounces of cannabis flour. I don't use trim. You know, a lot of people use trim. Anyway, so. I'm going to reach out to you about maybe trying to get some of that if, if possible, because uh, I, my mom has neuropathy. So I'd like to get some of that for her if, if that's something that you. Of course. And your okay. baby's bottom, everything. It's good for everything. Ooh, okay, love it. Yep. Um, and then this is what the FICO looks like, the full extract cannabis oil. Mm -hmm. These are one gram syringes. And you start off taking very little, and then the kids work up to a whole one a day. So where where is I, it administered? It's is an it oral a, medication that you eat it. Okay, so it's not a needle on it. It's, a, it's just like you give b babies Tylenol or something, right? right? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. And go in their feeding tubes or what a lot of these kids unfortunately do have feeding tubes and stuff like that. But yeah. um because wow. we don't turn anybody away, even if we don't necessarily agree with slicing, dicing, poisoning, and radiating children. Right. So this is the FICO. And then we start them with gummies. That's how we do it. These really yummy, which we all love the gummies. They're 25 milligrams. And so the kids start with the gummies. And that's how we can build up their tolerance. So Brett makes all that stuff. Oh, yeah, Brett. Wow. Yeah, he has a degree. I, we should put in there that he has a degree in math from Westchester University. I'm like, wow. our, our, somebody else wrote that about us. We didn't write it. Our, one of the moms wrote it. Well, they did a great job. That's really, it's really captivating. Um, Do you want to put that back, honey? But that's the first ever Blues Traveler cat drawn by Darren Green. Wow. And he's awesome. So like that. Whatever, that's okay. Funny. Amazing. Uh, and I want to talk more about this. Um, let's table it. Let's make people listen to the rest of the show <laughs> before they get to hear more more about this, right? I, uh, I want to work into that. I want to hear about 
God, uh, I want to hear about your relationship with the Grateful Dead, right? I want to hear about how you got into the Grateful Dead. Uh, share with us some of that. Uh, your first show, right? Who who turned you on? I um, I grew up in New York City, and the Grateful Dead was always around. In 1988, I think it was the big gorilla with the tie dye oh, yeah. and the nitrous in the parking lots, and it was like the that was Madison Square Denver. Garden, right? those shows I didn't even get in like I was so young I didn't even know how to really like I just was there you know <laughs> and yeah. then the first show was Foxborough July 2nd 1989 and we were there oh, nice. I didn't even pee once it's the only time I can say I definitely didn't pee <laughs> in 24 hours um, and and that and then it was on and then um, a few months later in the winter, I stole a nitrous tank from a hospital and I brought it to Brendan Byrne. <laughs> and my husband, Jeff King, got beaten up by the same people that killed Adam Katz. Adam and they Katz. said, welcome to the jungle, it's beating time. And they arrested him and took our nitrous tank. And I was all, I'd stolen it from like a hospital. Me and my friends got drunk and my friend fell. And so we're at the hospital and I just like put in a wheelchair and ran off it. So we were part of that's murder thing. So I was always talking to the parents, willing to testify. We had to get a lawyer and it wow. was rough. I've talked about that. I talked about that in a previous episode, I think, because I remember that. That's one of my earliest memories from Grateful Dead shows, because I grew up in New York, but a few hours north of the city, right? And my first shows were in the Northeast, too. And, you know, my first tours, summer tours, you know, around the, the Northeast, you know, and uh, I remember going to shows in early 90s at Brendan Byrne Arena. And I remember, and uh, they would, and seeing the flyers, right? Uh, have you seen this man, Adam Katz, missing, you know? And I remember all the talk about, Adam Katz and being killed by security guards at Brendan Byrne Arena that, you know, that's, that has stayed with me all these years. Yeah, know? it really did happen. And I watched my husband, get, we weren't married at the time. We were going to co um, college in New Hampshire and uh, it was horrific. He was like 128 pounds and they like up these big yellow jackets. I think yeah. it, was, it taught me a lot to yeah. just like, stay in my lane. I never sold anything in a parking lot after that. <laughs> I was wow. like, when I go to the shows, it's just to be social and yeah. not have drama. Right. Like, you know. There's definitely a lot of drama. <laughs> yeah, it's good to avoid the drama. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, okay, cool. So your first show was 7289 Foxborough? Yep. And then after, I got all paranoid after stealing the nitrous tank, so I took the Greyhound bus <laughs> There's the New Year's shows in 89. And oh, nice. That, and I got an apartment in the Tenderloin and started going to the Jerry shows at the Warfield. <laughs> and realized how bad the Tenderloin was, so I went to the Chinese New Year Grateful Dead shows. I think it was Oakland Coliseum. So that's like February, I think, of 1990. And held a sign, I need a renter room in Santa Cruz because... When I took the Greyhound bus, got off at the Staff of Life, went to my hippie friend's house on Poplar, and was like, I'm staying, I'm a vegetarian. I like walked into the Staff of Life and became a vegetarian. That's <laughs> really funny. I, I live fairly close to Staff of Life, actually. I'm on the east side. I'm on East Cliff uh, by the Windmill Cafe. I don't know if you remember the Windmill Cafe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right across the street from 12th Ave, Twin Lakes. That's where I'm at. So uh, so how, how, did, how did you know about Santa Cruz? You, you were in... 
My just from being in the city. Uh, one of my girlfriends, she later became a spinner, which we can go into that. But okay. my girlfriend Alexandra Vera Brennan, her grandfather was the Supreme Court Justice Brennan. She's from Princeton, New Jersey, where Blues Traveler, Fish, and Spin Doctors was from. So I knew her from there. Mm. And she lived in this, like, culty, really cool house on Poplar, right um, behind the Staff of Life. So she, at the oh, New Year, okay. when she saw, oh, Hillary's here, she said, come visit me in Santa Cruz. And I took a Greyhound bus from San Francisco to Santa Cruz. Walked into Staff of Life, became a vegetarian, went to the shows with a sign, I need a room. And I rented a room for 400 a month at 707 Seabright. So right. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I was Brandon in. Yeah. Brandon yeah, knows my, little too. Yeah. My, my in-laws um, and my, yeah, they all live out in Santa Cruz. I'm out there every year. Aren't they in the Seabright? Well, you're, yeah, you're, they're you're Seabright in Soquel, but you're. Yeah, Soquel. And then um, my sister, sister and her husband. Yeah. Yeah. They're all in, they're on Buena Vista right there by Seabright. Nice. Cool. It's cool yeah, town. Love I love um, it. I yeah, it's great. Love Santa Cruz. Because I, I remember coming out in the early 90s and uh, Santa Cruz was always one of the spots, right? There's a lot of kids hanging out here in Santa Cruz and hanging out on Pacific mm -hmm. and. You know, like Eugene or the Haight in San Francisco or the Hill in Boulder. It was just one of the spots, you know. Yeah, Santa, Santa Cruz is stuck. It's stuck. Like, it's just so special. Yeah, it is I, a special I still visit place. all the time. And, we, you know, it's a hard place to live. And there's still some hardcore, like Kristen. And there's a lot of people holding it tight and keeping it together, even though it's not easy to live. And I'm sorry, he died. Oh, man, it's not that easy to live in Santa Cruz anymore. I mean, yeah. I had to leave. I, never, I, know it. I never thought I would leave Santa Cruz. Yeah. I might as well have gotten Santa Cruz Mountains tattooed on my forehead. Now I feel stupid. That's why I have no tattoos. <laughs> I changed <laughs> Because you would have had that one. Well, I mean, that's a big part of you, right? It's a big part of who you are and your, your makeup. And, you know, it's a big part of your story. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Um well, in 1993, 10 of my girlfriends and I from Grateful Dead tour all had babies in Santa Cruz. And we all had Margie and Cindy, like the same deadhead midwives. And they taught us about Waldorf school and cloth diapers and family bed and attachment parenting. And so we really had like our kids grew up in the real deal, Santa Cruz, Grateful Dead. And we used to go to dead shows together and bring the kids and tie balloons to them. And, you know, we're hallway dancers anyway, a lot of the time. And then uh, I love that. we answers. had fun with the kids, and, you know. So, yeah, Santa Cruz is just, there was nowhere else for me. Like, I Santa Cruz. I want to go to, I sometimes sit here and I love Maine. I really do. But I, like, can get tears right now just wanting to go to Zachary's. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. We, <laughs> we just had breakfast from there the other day. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, French toast with that oatmeal bread, uh, homemade breads. Yeah, we just had Zachary's the other day. I'm sure you know Robbie, right? Robbie's still putting on the the dances, the Santa Cruz dances and Greyhound Rock. And yeah, so Santa Cruz uh, definitely has a good, um, it's a good Grateful Dead vibe. There's a good hippie vibe here. Santa Cruz is an interesting spot. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely got a good. It going, so we get to go home. You know, it feels so good to visit. Right. You know, and it's it's a lot of work, I mean, to live there. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, no kidding. I, I wish I was more connected here. You know, I, I've only lived here like four years because uh, I was in San Francisco for many, many years. And then I was in Southern California for, for a few, like four years. And I knew when I was going to move back up north, I knew... <clears throat> I knew it was going to be Santa Cruz. I, I was like, all right, I need a place where I can surf, but I also want a place where it's my vibe too, right? Like I don't want to live in San Francisco again. Uh, cause I left San Francisco to get sober, you know, and I, cause I spent a lot of time in that neighborhood. You talked about the tenderloin. Uh, yeah, that became <laughs> a second home. And, during those work man. <laughs> yeah. That's that neighborhood is no joke. Brandon's familiar with it too. So, yeah. But I knew, I, I knew Santa Cruz. <laughs> was a mission. Yeah. Santa Cruz was the spot, right? It's like, okay, best surfing on the mainland. Uh, you know, I, lots of great yoga, there's, you know, a good, uh, food community there, you know, vegan or vegetarian food community. And the, I, I, what's that? Best place to raise kids. Like be, great doctor. place to raise kids. Uh, you know, that wasn't my, my, my littlest, that wasn't on the, you know, that wasn't in the plan yet, but, uh, and I was going to go to school for traditional Chinese medicine, you know, and I had started on that path and there's five branches right around the corner from me. Literally I could walk there in like 10 minutes. Uh, and that was the plan. I started gearing towards that and making my way, whatever. Um, so Santa Cruz was the spot, right? That was, it was clear. And it's a special place, I guess is my point. And it scoots into Bill Graham presents and BGP and the Bay yeah. area. Yep. And that was like, I'll tell you, the nineties in the Bay area, I really had the best time. Yeah. And I got to, sh as a photographer, I got to shoot all the venues. Wow. So that was really fun. I got to keep my camera bag in Bill Graham's office. Tim Reed was the general manager at Shoreline and he was a good friend of mine at the time. And so having all access to Shoreline, the Fillmore, the Warfield, the Greek and shooting all the photography. Wow. That'd be that awesome. Community, and everybody came up together through Horde. So it was almost like every time BGP was like a family reunion all the time. It was super special. And then watching BGP get sold out, like Bill Graham's legacy gets sold out to corporate America. I pretty much left my husband because he took a job with Clear Channel and I see them as the enemy. You know, like they destroyed our whole scene. By the way, I, I don't think I realized that Clear Channel bought out Bill Graham Productions. It might have been. I think it was Clear Channel. It was one of those. They they're one they, of those was, giant was, corporate whores. Um, I don't know. Live Nation, all that yeah, corporate. Uh, yeah. McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts sponsoring. Like all of a sudden, you're walking into. Peach Fest and like it's sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts and I'm walking under like a <laughs> golden artist and I'm like I miss wow. I really miss yeah. Man, I missed out on a lot of that too, right? I didn't move out here until like 90 I started coming out here in 93 but it didn't really land here until 95 and even then I kept leaving and coming back but and I was, I was a little young, you know, but I, I mean, Bill Graham Productions and all of that looms very large. Like I know of it, right? I'm just always seem to be a little half a step behind in so many of these things. But, you know, all the people that I look up to and, you know, my friends that are a little older and that have been around longer than me, uh, you know, I get to hear about all these things through through them, through you guys. Uh, and it's fascinating stuff to me because I can feel the energy of it, you know, just from 
hearing about it and knowing about it, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, that's um, what I really consider myself an archivist, is like photographing that transition. But then so many people are better photographers and better at staying up late. I remember Mark Millman got really good at handling the New York City scene, and there's a bunch of Bay Area photographers. So I just definitely, around 2001, was just like, well, I've done enough photography because I can't stay up that late all the time. Uh, it was too much it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah uh so you mentioned horror tour which uh god i remember those days i remember seeing those first well, they did a couple what two years maybe three uh, of horde tours uh, yeah. i remember those those yes, first sir. few um 92 to 98 i think oh i didn't realize they kept going until 98 okay oh yeah it ended the last song they ever played on Horde. I, I'll never forget this was uh, Bare Naked Ladies with Popper. And Popper had like big stacks of dollar bills and he's throwing it. And they're saying, if I had a million dollars. But uh, Horde was amazing because it brought widespread panic, yeah. incident, blues traveler, fish. Most of them, I think Fish had been across once, but most of them on their first, Dave Matthews, you know, a bunch of them on their first ever national tours and Galactic and yeah. Ward, Wally Ingram, all, Taj Mahal. Colonel, Colonel Bruce Hampton, the Aquarium oh. Rescue Unit. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was amazing. And uh, so that, I feel like that's when the jam band scene became ex- into right. existence around the early 90s. And we used to yeah. just have like Grateful Dead and like right. hippie and festivals, right? But there wasn't jam bands and like, like Mo, you know, leftover salmon. Yeah, yeah. Leftover. I love leftover. I saw, um, All sorry. I, I, I saw the first two, two years, maybe then maybe a little in the third. I don't know, but I definitely, I saw a number of them in 92 and 93. And I, I mean that, that was my introduction to widespread Colonel Bruce Hampton, uh, in 92, I think it was fish played. I, I, I saw a number of shows that summer, uh, the only one that stands out in memory was Jones Beach. I saw them play, you know, the Horde Festival at Jones Beach. Blues Traveler, I saw a number of Blues Traveler shows. And then, of course, there was the Wetlands connection also, right? Yeah, that uh, Wetlands was started for Blues Traveler because we were at all these little Mondo Cane, Mondo Paracel, so Nightingales. We were at all these tiny little places and they weren't big enough. And so Larry Bach started um, Wetlands and built it and Timmy Vega... Um, he painted the bathrooms and created the vibe and we were all activists, environmentalists. My first job in California was the Big Green. So Larry started um, Wetlands, literally for Blues Traveler and that scene and it started and then the next year was Horde. Wow. Yeah, I remember in between shows, you know, New York City area shows, whether it was MSG or, you know, Meadowlands, you know, Giant Stadium or Brendan Byrne Arena. I remember it was always, you know, if there was time and I had a lot of friends that uh, lived in New York City at the time, a lot of, you know, New York City deadhead friends. And uh, we would always try to pop into wetlands, you know, and of course, living in upstate New York, just a couple hours north, you know, anytime we get a chance, you know, make a run down to wetlands for shows and you know, and get into other trouble in, you know, New York City, Alphabet yeah. City at the time, Tompkins <laughs> Square Park. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so you got pretty connected with Blues Traveler, is that right? Um, I guess I'm not really clear on that. 
Well, I went to boarding just- school in ninth grade, and my roommate was from Princeton, New Jersey. I didn't get asked back, so I was in 10th grade in New York City going to York Prep, where Robert Chambers, the preppy murder. But anyway, um, so I, she called me up and said, my friends are playing in New York City. And I said, okay. And she took the train into the city, and we went to the Lismar Lounge. And Winston Flowers, who I would love to find, I haven't seen him forever, was serving mushroom tea. It was my first time ever having mushroom tea. And that was downstairs at the Lismar Lounge. And that was 1987. And that's how I, mm. I think it was their second New York City ever gig. I think the first one is at the Re- Ukrainian National Home. And so I think it was their second ever New York City gig. We were in wow. high school. They drove Bobby Sheehan's mother's t- gray Peugeot to get to the I remember Peugeot's the, the, yeah. the car, and I, mean, yeah. I had a Peugeot bicycle, <laughs> a Peugeot 10-speed <laughs> or something in, in, yeah. in high school. Or maybe it wasn't even mine. Maybe it was a friend's, but whatever. Anyway, a Peugeot. That's funny. So so you, you were into Blues Traveler before even the Grateful Dead, or you were seeing them before? Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I was, like, obsessed with Blues Traveler. I mean... Popper is to me like just an incredible musician and that youth. I always, you know, it's his line, the wisdom of age, the beauty of youth. I mean, that voice, that young voice and that energy. And he was really fat, but he was girl crazy, but there he was awkward. And there's all these hot girls dancing around him. It was (laughs) I loved it so much. And I love to dance and I would often be the first one dancing to get everybody dancing and it was just super fun i mean literally i played like at my friend's boarding schools and stuff like that Uh, when in the 80s and then um bill graham david graham went to columbia university bill graham's son so he found our little scene and he met blues traveler and so he had bill graham come out bill graham was like blown away and he signed them and the next day brought them to Washington, D.C. to play in front of 150,000, 750,000 people. I think it's free to bet in Washington, D.C. Wow. And that's how Bill Graham came in through David. And that's just, it was just on like the Rubicon. And that's how BGP did Horde and, and Dave Fry, who um, now owns Lockin. He has Silent Partner in New York City. So he, Silent Partner, the whole thing just exploded. And there was jam bands. That's wow, yeah. I, I love hearing this, right? Because this takes me back to my teenage years. This takes me back to the beginning of all this for me, you know. Even though this early part of Blues Tavern was a little before my time. But, uh, I, yeah, this takes me back to just being a teenager and getting turned on to all these bands and seeing those first couple horde tours and, you know, my first couple years of the Grateful Dead and yeah, man, it, it's nice reminiscing and also hearing kind of the origins of this, you know, uh, I don't know. It's cool. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So you're out, sorry to skip around here. You're out in California. I want to, I want to hear a little more about, you know, uh, Grateful Dead shows and, you know, tour and, you know, and then how, how that led you to, I guess you're in Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, I lived in Santa Cruz um, starting in 1989. And then I went, to, I lived there for 13 years and then I went to the East Coast and 
everyone said, oh, you'll love it. And I lived in Pennsylvania. I was like, I hate it here. Everyone's like, you'll like Vermont. So I moved to Vermont. I was like, I fucking hate it here. So then I went back to um, Pennsylvania and was like, I am going back to Santa Cruz. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I felt like a refugee. That's what I would say. I'm like, I'm a Santa Cruz refugee. And like, Vodka Valley in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Everybody's drunk and... I'm annoying when I drink, so it was just like not even a good situation for me. It sucked. <laughs> so I made it to Santa Cruz, and that's when I started Santa Cruz Mountains Organic Growers Services and partnered with Brett, who I'd known from the East Coast. He's from Pennsylvania, but he was my best worker. He, he's an amazing, hardworking human. He's just the best person I know. So we started servicing the organic farms in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So I've used huh. like every nutrient, every everything under Prop 215. And so that was Santa Cruz Mountains Organic Grower Services. And we had kick-ass tree guys and Jack Vetter and Aaron Rodgers, old school Santa Cruz Mountains tree climbers. And I got really trained by some amazing growers and ended up with it turned into my service and then I ended up having other farms. So I would have whole farms that I serviced and ran the whole season, but also my crew would service other farms and I held the keys cause I'm kind of boss bitch. So whoever comes <laughs> on the mountain, you know, yeah, somebody has to be responsible for the workers. So I bring them in, feed them all organic and really good food for lunch and bring them out. And and we had, and we had what? We had a pool. Oh yeah, we had a pool. We're, he's <laughs> we had a doughboy <laughs> pool in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and we just really loved our life there. But then five and a half years ago, they came in and made everybody write down everywhere they grew their whole operation and said, uh. "You don't tell us, you're not going to get a legal license for it." Okay. Of course, I didn't. I mean, I didn't tell them anything, but a lot of people did. And then they made all these rules that said you have to have like 500, every 500 feet, you need a turnout, you have to have paved roads, bup, 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 all the stuff oh my you God. can't have in Deer Creek, right? And then they came in and cut everybody's gardens down the next year that had told them everything they do. What? So I kind of got run out of Santa Cruz in that um, my business got like, boom, Prop 64, the corporate takeover of cannabis. So I had at the time a bunch of MS patients and Parkinson's patients and I couldn't stop growing. So I literally, we literally at the end of the season came and moved to Maine and didn't even take a year off. So when Prop 64 came in in California, I was already here and I've been growing in Maine, in the ground, in the beautiful soil with clean air and water. Like it's night and day to California where you have water delivery, soil delivery, you grow in bags, hubbity hoo, right. this is like ground, soil, sun, like the water goes with the soil, like the well, it goes in, it goes, you know, so it's night and it rains all the time. So the cannabis is like strong. Nice and hearty. And yeah. wow. What, how fortuitous, right. That you kind of almost saw the writing on the wall and like, you know, it's, it's funny, you think of California and you, you know, and, and the, the first, was it the California, the first state to allow, uh, okay. 1996 was the, in the country, the first place. Yeah, that was Prop 215. It was, it's almost like 
it's really sad because the corporate takeover really has destroyed such community, so many people, and it's lowered the quality of the medicine. Mm. And we were always proud and prided ourselves in the quality of California cannabis. I mean, and now this corporate takeover is, it's really sad. It is. What a bummer, right? Because I I remember, you know, as a teenager, learning about Jack Herrera and normal and, you know, like, Oh, someday. And, and, and on tour, right. Always handing out or being handed flyers about cannabis, you know, legalization and Hey, sign this petition. And, you know, the, all the chatter and the talk about, you know, the legalization of, of cannabis and we're still quite a ways away and, you know, so many people fighting the good fight. And now they're the tipping point where it's become and, continuing to become legal. And like you said, Prop 64, like the dagger, right? Like the changing of everything, the the corporate takeover of cannabis. Like, fuck, like the thing that we wanted, right? Uh, for so many reasons, you know, so many benefits has happened. And then corporate fucking America, you know, coming in and ruining it, just like it ruined, ruined everything, you know? Like what well, a bummer. It's who has the cash, though. You know, it's yeah. just like even in Ohio, where they finally released it to do the medical stuff here, there was applications that went in for the manufacturing that. And all these big guys that are involved in breweries, even here in Cincinnati, the guys have big pockets, big, big pockets. We're like, oh, we want licenses. We want, we want. And they've already built buildings before we even came in, ready to do it. And they were turned down. But I mean, in Ohio, it's like no felons, none of this. So any of the people that really knew what they were doing or could have benefited, it got locked out, just like in California. But is it from when Aaron said something about New York, when they're releasing the stuff in New York, they're trying to get some people that had criminal records. Yeah, there's some people working some access in Maine and New York. Um, That's great. You know, I've always been an activist and worked so hard on that stuff. But now we've got some people. I haven't done anything like that since I've been in Maine because I'm super swamped doing what I'm doing. But there's some hardcore yeah. people here in Maine that um, are amazing. Glenn Lewis and his wife, and I'm blanking on her name, but she's amazing. Um, and... Dawson, Julia, we've got some incredible people in Maine that are really working and keeping the laws and keeping the caregivers and keeping it non-corporate because we we actually see such good results with the medicine that's grown here in Maine and not just mine, but other people make it too. And that um, that it's really important that we keep our caregiver system and keep it from the cure leafs of our time. Mm. Because they don't care. It's all about they money. Want money. They're not and a, a corporate theocracy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Wow. Um, okay, so you're, you're you're. Is it fair to say you got your start growing cannabis in Santa Cruz and the Santa Cruz oh, Mountains? Yeah. Oh how, yeah. Oh yeah. In the '90s. Is it in Boulder Creek or? No, I, the first place I ever grew weed was in bags on the cliff on the side of Highway 9 in Ben Lomond, right before Highway oh, That was okay. in 1990. And then wow. boys would grow in Felton on okay. Plateau yep. and my girlfriend's um, bramble bushes. We would, and we would, once they got to be a certain height, we'd take them and we'd pull them down to the ground. Like we grew totally differently. And yeah. the guys, there was a lot of indoor growing, like 
in weird places that like were camouflaged from the skies. And the guys would literally grow in the manzanita and put things in buckets and put them in like it was camp was crazy. Our kids would be like, fuck you, helicopter. Like it was a war. <laughs> it was a war. But oh, yeah. I've, I've spent a little time in the bush uh, up north you know, in Humboldt in my young, younger days. Uh, what uh, before what was that document Murder Mountain? Oh, that's right? what, oh yeah. That's what it's like where. Yeah. We, I, yeah. Yeah. I listened to a lot of rap when I was dealing with the Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's like that. It was like that in Kentucky. I mean, the. <clears throat> Because I used to, when I was out here, before I was out in California, I used to have these, you know, I always could find good pot, you know, good cannabis down in Kentucky, certain areas of Kentucky. And these guys would come to the fence with an assault rifle and you'd be talking to them. And yeah, and and they, I mean, they had really good stuff. I mean, it's comparable to California, but it was just like, here you go. Don't tell me where you came from. Give me the money. And there you go. You know, off you went. And that's how it worked, you know, back then. That was like 93, 94, you know. But it cost like four or 5,000 a pound. Wait, wait. No, they were selling it for two because they had no idea. They thought two oh, was no. awesome. So we were bringing it back oh. up to Cincinnati and selling it for a thousand a quarter pound. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. so it was a huge, it's a huge hit. But I mean, you had to deal with Billy Joe with an AR-15 at the fence off a dirt road that you found from a street from a long map, you know, it's just really crazy stuff. So Hillary, do you, do you feel comfortable talking about, cause I'm just curious about like, where did, I mean, it's a natural thing, right? It's hand in hand with uh, our grateful dead scene. And I'm just curious, was that just kind of a natural confluence of living in Santa Cruz and the friendships and like, Hey, uh, Let's start growing our own cannabis. Well, I actually, it it really did just happen. When I came back to Santa Cruz, I didn't have any house. I came back to Santa Cruz with 160 bucks in a backpack. I was like, I'll fuck Mm -hmm. it out of here. I go back to Santa Cruz and I'm from Lompico, really. And so on Boulevard in Lompico and Blair Zim, one of these guys, they kicked out their tenant downstairs and gave me um, the apartment underneath the house. Beautiful place on Lake Boulevard in Lumpico. But they worked real jobs and they had like growers at their farm. But they did. They like drank canned beer and smoked cigarettes and didn't really do anything. So within like six weeks, I was dealing with that. And then I just started building myself up and I would just, I'm dependable. So I would water. I used to say, I'm not a grower. I just water a lot because everybody would be like, Oh my God, Hillary, can you water my garden for me? Like it has to go, you know? So then um, I bought seven acres in Deer Creek in Boulder Creek and we put up a yurt and um, I was watering for my, the guy that was like my teacher, Mike. And then he had a farm that needed to be taken over the whole thing. So he, I learned how to do it from him, but I really did just start out watering for friends. And it's mm. kind of like this cannabis medicine. It's just like, like, I'm just like, woo, through life. So I was just like, yeah, I'll water a lot. And then all of a sudden in like six months, I had my own farm and Brett was working for me and I had like a crew of five guys and I ended up getting all the keys to all the gates and um, just being the boss bitch in the Santa Cruz mountains, the only girl. Yes. And 
you know, listening to NWA. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It was really, really fun. And I just got obsessed with organic and lab testing. And then 10 years ago, um, Denise got really bad breast cancer. She was suffering. She went on the Boulder Creek page and said, I am in so much pain. So I literally just said, does anybody know how to make the Rick Simpson oil? And um, Sean Woodward, a, a musician who I'd never met, real Santa Cruz guy, beard, talented, amazing human, said, I'll make it. I've been buying ounces at the dispensary to make it for my wife. So I said, Brett, go get some tubs. So I show up with two tubs, like literally 50 pounds of weed. I bring them and I slap it down. I'm like, how about we split it 50-50? Like you make it and you can keep half. And he was like, okay. Like he never took <laughs> weed in his life. We're still friends. He was like, we have pictures of that. He Brett took a picture. Cause, and that's how it started. And then we just kept making it and donating it to deadheads and to oh. Parkinson's pain. And it just goes like, it really helps with tinnitus, you know, just all these things with musicians and it helps people. A lot of our friends got on drugs. And so it mm. really helped them. Get off. You don't have to whisper that in, in, in this, yeah. <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that it just kind of, kept going and we've just never stopped making it. I mean, I don't make it. I mean, I burn cookies. Brett makes it. He's scientific. He's <laughs> he's smart and mathematical and stuff like that. So he makes all the medicine and I take care of the plants and deal with everything, all the families and everything else. But I always say, I do what I do. He does what he does. And he does what I do. Like he basically does everything, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like you guys are the perfect pairing. Can I? Yeah, can I say it's something a great real quick? relationship here. Can I say something real quick? Because this keeps coming up and this keeps happening, and I I, I love it uh, so much. I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell, and uh, you know the mythology that he teaches about, and you know he he says uh, follow your bliss. And, you know, the universe will conspire to make your dreams come true, essentially. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically follow your bliss. That's his big thing. And, you know, he, he, and he gets into the hero's journey. And the, but this keeps coming up for people that we're talking about. And, and, I, and, I, and I truly believe that this is a very standard thing within our community. Right. And, and I love it. And I, I, I try to adhere to it in my life, but I really believe, and, and you're another example, you know, from, from what I can tell, you know, you just remain open to what the universe has for you. Uh, stay true to your heart and with your intentions uh, and keep moving forward and doors open and opportunities arise. And, you know, you, you follow your bliss and you, we just don't know what the universe will create for us. Right. And it's amazing. And it used, we just keep following the things that we love uh, and you know, the universe does great things for us. And it's like, uh, the you're another, it's like the, what it's like the most song. I made it this far using every back door. <laughs> right, right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I feel like that suits a lot of our personalities and, uh, it's great encouragement for, for me, right. Again, to try to uh, apply in, in my life and great reminders. And I just, and I feel like it's the universe talking, right? Because it keeps coming up in a lot of these conversations we're having. And it's really beautiful. And I, I love seeing it. And I, again, I can't say enough how how stoked I am what you guys are doing. And 
I, I, I love it. And I, I hope that more people will pay attention uh, and support you guys. And, you know, and I have no doubt that the universe is going to continue to respond in kind to what you guys are putting out there. Um, I do want to be a little mindful of time. I would love to have you back on uh, again, uh, maybe some updates uh, and hear more about some of the great work you guys are doing. We're not ready to sign off yet. Uh, I do want to give an opportunity for some shout outs, like any any people that you want to say hey to say, hey, I love you or thank you or just, you know, um, and then I want to hear I want to hear a crazy lot story. You know, you've been to enough shows. I want to hear something. <laughs> do you have a crazy or funny or whatever story, you know, from from a lot of a great I, show I, or whatever? I might be able to think up one. You might be able to. Yeah. <laughs> well, this I guess and, what my most important person I want to shout out to is Jack Herrera. Jack Herrera. The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Mm-hmm. And I would love to shout out to Rick Simpson for all the work he's done. And I love him. Thank you for that. And obviously, Brett, who's just like Brett watching over me, sitting right there. <laughs> What's up, Brett? <laughs> and uh, we're just super grateful, you know. Live the life you love, love the life you live. I'm like feeling like a meme or a meme or what is it called? Me? A meme. A I'm meme? A- <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to live by that too from Roadrunner, which I, yeah. I, I didn't learn until, I don't know, maybe a year ago that that's a Junior Walker song. That's one of my favorite songs that Jerry does, uh, Roadrunner. Anyway. Okay. You got a minute to share with us a crazy, crazy lot story? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think, <laughs> but you want a new one or an old one? You want a great Whatever. one? Whatever. Yeah. Want a new one? Both, if you want. Let's sure. Go back to, let's go to a good one because people love to hear about the spinners and the cults of Grateful Dead Tour. So, yes. Okay. I think that's I'm a good one. This. Being a New York City girl, you know, I knew a lot of, we had money. We were, not me personally, but, a lot of these girls. Mm-hmm. So my girlfriend, Alex Brennan decided who her, I think I mentioned her, her grandfather was Supreme court, just Supreme court. What is it? Whatever. Justice. justice Brennan, the most liberal best Supreme court justice America's ever had. He was still alive at the time. They gave her a brand new Ford escort, a mobile gas card and a thousand dollars a month. Alex. Wow. What? <laughs> That's a lot. Then that was a lot. That was, perfection yeah yeah because we would like make grilled cheese whatever so yeah we alex decided she wanted to be a spinner and she was gonna go squeeze in the back of trucks one like this one like this and go (laughs) go on tour with joseph and the spinners and i was like and i got to keep her car i didn't have a driver's license my boyfriend did at the time and so we literally went on tour we would go traveling the same tour as her in her car but she was with the spinner and she like got she was always a chubby little thing right she got really skinny because all she was allowed to have was prosciutto which was like a tortilla a piece of lettuce tomato a piece of tofu with a little tahini once a day and they weren't allowed what? to have money or go anywhere together wow so I can't even take it right i was like eat a bagel bitch like i didn't <laughs> think why she was going off with 
the spinners, right? And begging tickets and being barefoot. Tickets for $25. She got $1,000 a month. Let's get it together. So yeah. <laughs> and I just had it. So I go up to Joseph and I say, Joseph, and we're friends now. He's cool. We all grew up a lot. No derogatory. But at the time, I was not happy with picking <laughs> lice out of my girlfriend's hair every time mm. she wanted to come near us. It was rough. And I told him, Joseph, this is fucked up. And he said, Hillary. They were weird religious people. They were like, the spirit is fire and fire burns and like, stor- I like oh. stormed off. Like, and I was just like, oh. so anyway, the spinners, that was, that was bizarre. Having my gorgeous yeah. girlfriends with money be like, we're going with Joseph. I mean, it definitely all yeah. was his face, but that was rough. But that was classic. That's just a oh. funny tell, telling off the yep. spinners. Tell them about the first time we went to, uh, what do you call it? Dead and Company. Naked Dave. Oh, okay. This is an even better one. Real quick. I know Dave. Yeah, I know David. He lives in LA, right? He's that, yeah. Okay. I, yep. It was my first ever Dead and Company show. I actually got this cuff there from Don. From and Don Bryant, right? Yeah, Is yeah. that a Don Bryant? Yeah. Okay. I love him. I'm a Shout dad. out Don. And right. Oh, beautiful. We go there, and, I, and I'm and i coming off the mountain. I look, and I'm like, my eyebrows. I was like, Brett, I stopped in Los Gatos. I got to get my eyebrows waxed. I tell him, get me a little bit of vodka, a little pint, right? So he comes back, and he's like, I put the, your vodka in these two Vita, Vita waters. So I drink one, and, the, and I said a pint, like a little bottle, right? Yeah, I drink yeah. one on the way there to Shoreline, and we get out of the car, and I'm like, I say to him, dude, that's so fucking wasted. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, I was like, drank that whole thing. I was like, yeah. And then he pulls out. It was a real vodka bottle. Like, oh, my God. He told me he a leader. a bottle in. And I thought I had a half a pint in two cocktails. Which oh, my God. <laughs> right, right. It is. I'm going to Shoreline off the mountain. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But he bought me the real bottle. So anyway. I get to the shoreline and I'm hanging out with like Raphael and Teddy, rest his soul, my old school, old men, deadheads. And then there's Naked Dave from Santa Cruz. Okay. This guy's like 60 years old. He just puts a lot of oil on himself and he gets dreadlocks and he likes to hang out at the university and pick up girls. And he likes to get butt naked, all the way naked, dancing around. And there's all these kids there, and I'm drunk. Taylor's drunk. Me, like I said, I'm not good drunk. So I've got all my old men there, and I'm like, I go up to him. I'm like, motherfucker, if I ever see your dick again, I'm ripping it off. I was like, and then I told after that, I was like, we have to go. And I left. And I didn't even go. I went the next day and saw my first dead and company show, but I got so drunk. On my way into my first ever John Mayer show. And then I left the second night I went. I left it separate because he was like, oh, and I was like, oh, my God. I'd rather be sure I was listening to a beautiful dead tape with Jerry with all these people than John Mayer. I mean, he got better and stopped the, you know. At first, I was like, I left it separate. I was like, John Mayer, shut the fuck up. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that in company. It's all good. Yeah, that's awesome. But so that, okay, so that cool. Hey, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention right because we're trying to use this as a thing. Final tour, summer twenty twenty three. Final tour, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, are we going to see you? Are we going to see you at any shows? You 
I'm sure. I never make any plans. That's how I get where I am. Like I just, I just go if I can. Like I'm not gotcha. gonna make any plans because the girls. I my plants, and then I right. on a documentary this summer with a lot of my cancer patients and the kids, and I've got wow. like all the kids are coming to the farm to like hang out in the plants that save their life. Oh, oh I can't <laughs> wait to see that. But the. Foxborough, is it Foxborough or something? The Boston show, June 24th, is on his birthday. So we probably, okay. so, I mean, we're going to go to that. I mean, but we'll see. Yeah. You never know. Okay. I always say I'm not going, and then there I am. I know. Well, I hope I hope we see you guys. Uh, unfortunately, we won't be in Fenway. I think we're... I, I think we're skipping Fenway, which is a bummer because I, I lived in Boston for a couple of years and I, I love Boston and I would love an opportunity to be there and hang out for a bit. And my first baseball game I ever went to was at Fenway, the Red Sox versus the Mariners. And uh, but it doesn't seem like a vending opportunity for us. So, yeah, so we're going to skip it and use that time to kind of regroup and, and get set for heading back out west. So I'm sad about that, but uh, I'm hoping that. We'll see you guys uh, maybe at City Field or SPAC. SPAC is actually my hometown show. So, Are you going um, to Skulls and Roses? I will be at Skull and Roses, absolutely. No. Are you going? No, no. Oh. But I'm okay. glad you are. I would be. Yeah, I'm, me if, too. If I didn't, I personally, to be honest, I am kind of past the carbon footprint and concerts, and I'm kind of over yeah. a huge carbon footprint on my fun. So I'm really trying to dial it back. Keep it local. Yeah, I hear you. Now I'm old and I go to a show and it takes me three days to recover. I'm I know. Kidding. I hear you. Even, like, I know. Even being sober for me, yeah. it's hard. It's hard for me. And I, you know, I have a little, little child. I have a, you know, almost 17 month old at home and you know, it's tiring and uh, I don't, it's hard for me to stay up late, whatever. Uh, but, and when I'm at shows now I'm working, right. I'm working for, you know, always a who studios for the business and, it's tiring. It's a lot of work, and but it's fun. I wouldn't have it any other way. And, Love it. You know, if I will. I could go on the whole tour and be like, woo! But I'm pretty obsessed with carrying pediatric cancer right now, so I'm not going on dead. Yeah. But I don't. You got some other big things happening for sure. To just bring me or a couple of miracles. But he's so cute. <laughs> so funny. Well, hey, put it out there to the universe, right? See, see what the universe does. Uh, I am bummed. I'm going to miss Phil at the Frost, uh, and that's going to be rad with Marcus King. I'm going to. We're going to be in Kauai at the time, so I'm going to miss Phil. But I'm Andrew's problems is going to be. I know. I know, right? <laughs> I did see. What was oh, that? Was no. it Phil that I saw you at the Frost? Was that Phil or was that Bobby and Wolf Brothers? It was something like Mickey Hart playing what? drums and okay. special because I was with Kiara, my goddaughter, who's doing. Yeah, amazing, that's right. That was super. She's doing. She's doing well. Yeah, she's doing amazingly. Yeah, we're super happy, awesome. and maybe we'll put up now that picture of us that day. Oh yeah, that's, that's a great really photo. Nice I love of us at the Frost. Yep, that's right. Okay, we'll definitely include that. That's a beautiful photo. Okay. Hillary, you're amazing. Brett, you're amazing. I do have a couple quick questions that I want to ask that I ask everybody. Okay, so I want to run down real quick. Uh, they're mostly just fun questions, and they're mostly either or or quick answers. But you know, feel free to expound uh, if you if you like. Uh, and you and you can always pass if you don't want to answer something too. But uh, again, they're just mostly meant to be fun, funny questions. So kind of like Letterman's top 10 or whatever. I haven't seen Letterman in 30 years, but anyway. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I am. First question I always ask everybody. 
Was the Grateful Dead a punk band? I would say no, but I have slammed. Okay. You have what? Uh, like, are we used to slam dance sometimes? Oh yeah. So it may not be punk, but it's definitely slammable. Um, to like Stella Blue or no? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, Brent or Keith? Brent. Brent. Do you have a favorite Grateful Dead tribute band? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> J-Rad or Dark Star? No. Uh, you know. High Rider gets a lot I of love. Or J-Rad a cover band? I don't know. I guess I should. I like J-Rad and everything, but like, really, like I personally can't stand dead cover bands. I'm so sick of hearing the same songs over and over and over. It's like, ugh. so like, no, I hate cover bands. Okay. <laughs> you really Very do. strong feelings about that. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, but we love Jerry, right? <clears throat> I love, I miss him. I know. I know oh, you yeah. too. Okay. If we started a band, all of us, and everyone in the band had to wear Bobby short shorts, what instrument would you play? I want to hear Brett's answer on this too. I'd be the singer. Woo! All right, right up, right up front. Yeah, <laughs> what I, about you, Hillary? Like, I, I, I have no idea. I'd probably just be the drummer so I could hide. Okay, okay. <laughs> We've heard that one. Yeah, we get a, we get a lot of uh, tambourine players or in, triangle. In Someone said they play the triangle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who would you place your money on in a mud wrestling match between Billy and Mickey? Mickey. Everybody says Mickey. He looks like a scrapper, it's, I guess. It's the know. eyebrows. It's the yeah. eyebrows. Uh, okay. Name two bands that you're currently listening to, non-Grateful Dead. Mendo Dope and NWA. <laughs> I was just Repping about to say NWA. NWA. Yes. I remember those fun times in the early 90s being on tour and listening to... Uh, uh, Warren G and uh, Dr. Snoop. Dre and Snoop and Lunas. Remember, I got five on it. And yeah, uh, that's a good album. Called, that's a great called Quest, right? I remember that. Yeah, we. I'm driving around my Volkswagen bus. You know, a bunch of bunch of kids with dreads and you know and, and lice and scabies and <laughs> and listening to gangster rap and that, that shit was fun back then. Uh, yeah, I still listen to rap every day. I have to keep my attitude going i've been uh i've been on a de la soul kick lately oh and i yeah i love it, music yeah nice <laughs> same okay lsd or mushrooms hmm lsd 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 for both of you. Okay. Oh, one, uh, I do want to give a shout out to an album too, that I, I listen to frequently. That's so good. And I, I dismissed it just by name until I actually listened to the, this album. And I'm like, Holy shit. And now it's on my regular rotation. Robert Palmer's first album. Remember Robert Palmer? He had that video on MTV in the eighties yeah. with all the guys. His first album is like, it's like little feet. It's like seriously one of the best albums I'll anyway, check that give out. it a listen. It's uh, yeah, sneaking Sally through the alley. Oh, it's so good. Okay, uh, hula hoops or hacky sack? Hula hoops. I have. A, I hoop all the time. I'm a hacker. 
Oh, all right. We got both there. Didn't you have a hula hoop company or something yeah. uh, at one point? Yeah, I used to have a, it was a front. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> you just did. But Everyone just don't disregard that statement. It was in New Hope, Pennsylvania called Off the Hook. Yeah, I had a, okay. that's the logo that was done for me by Tim Vega, Off the Hook. Oh, cool. All right, right on. So, nice. Okay. Stuff. Boulder Creek or Ben Lomond? Boulder Creek. Boulder. Felton or Happy Valley? Felton. SLV, baby. Oh, yeah. I had my baby at 8th. San Lorenzo Valley. Happy Valley, though. I gave birth, home birth, 10-pound baby on a purple couch. In no shit. Oh. Megan and I always say if um, if we're if we were ever able to buy a house in Santa Cruz, which is very unlikely, uh, we would want to live in Happy Valley because it's it. still kind of Santa Cruz mountains, but it's sunny, right? It's not all cold and wet. So, uh, okay, Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. Biggie. From New York. Yeah, yeah. She had New York, girl. She's got to say right. it. That's true. Yeah, but you lived on the West Coast. You run oh, Santa Cruz, so. You see, when Bicoastal. we all came up together, the rappers, the jam bands, Wetlands wasn't just jam bands. It was all right. genres. And my all my friends yep. worked there. You know, that was our scene. So we weren't just jam band people. We were part of all of it. So, yeah. I mean, I... Biggie dying and Bill Graham dying, I would say, was the same, like, oh, my God, like, life will never. Those were my first big deaths. That was before my friends wow. were dropping, but Biggie and Bill Graham. There was, like, a ska night, right, at Wetlands. There was all kinds of, they, they would have different nights of right. uh, different genres of music. And then I think one of the coolest things that I learned was learning that Trixie Garcia and Tupac were friends and, like, went to high school in Marin. Well, yeah, because yeah. he lived in Marin City. That's yeah. where he grew up. Yeah. Yeah, and then Pete Shapiro bought wetlands, and he was just a yeah. little pup, and now he's grown up. He is, really. Yeah. Now look what he's done with the cap. Okay, turquoise or tourmaline? I don't even know what tourmaline is. You would if you saw it. <laughs> You can't, you can't have been to as many Grateful Dead shows as you've been to and, and not know. I totally have some. You know if you saw it. Sitting right here in like my crystals right here. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know tourmaline. Watermelon tourmaline or green tourmaline. You'd know it if you saw it. Okay. Do you have a favorite author or a favorite book? Yeah. Jack Herrera, The Emperor Wears No Clothes is my favorite book. And also That's Chad Martin, Blood on the Razor Wire. Blood on the Razor Wire. Okay. And that's out in um, audiobook, too. Okay. I got to get hip to that audiobooks. <clears throat> Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Beatles. Bobby or Phil? Phil. <laughs> Big Bird or Snuffleupagus? Snuffy. Oh, there we go. Reiki or acupuncture? Acupuncture. acupuncture. Let's do something. Oh, Reiki. <laughs> <laughs> Mariachi or polka? Polka. Patchouli or no patchouli? Oh, I hate patchouli. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> 
Last question. Ask everybody this. I even asked David Gans this question, and I felt like such an idiot asking him this question. <laughs> but he knew it immediately, so I didn't feel so bad. Uh, I asked him the the uh, Bobby Short Shorts question, too, and I was, I was, like, kicking myself. I was like, why are you doing this? Don't do this. And I did it anyway. I felt like such an asshole. Uh, okay. Who spit on me? Who spit on you? Well, the, the pejorative we. Like, who's... Right. I don't even know what that means. Bobby. Bobby spits when he talks. Oh. That was, that was, it's a thing, right? See, Bobby. I was part from Santa Cruz, like dirt, like the whole Bobby Phil war. Like I love Phil and friends and I love Phil and I love Terrapin Crossroads and I'm definitely love Phil and Jill and their whole family and vibe so i'm definitely the a phil girl i used to shoot phil and friends all the time when wow. lauren was in it what mm-hmm. about bobby song the cue oh yeah i first oh yeah i mean like if i'm in the car or something in a bar i still listen to the grateful dead every single day obviously and if a bobby song comes on i just skip <laughs> I don't, but I didn't she should she should talk to dave i know she you, talk and, to dave. you and dave mannheim would get along but He's I mean, I love, I love going to his shows. Like I, I have yeah. so much respect for him. I don't want it to come yeah. up wrong. I just love Phil. I'm like dropping bombs, and I, I, yep. I and Jerry. But I really yep. love the vibe, and I love going to shows. I love seeing all the artwork and the community yeah. people. It feels like so good to go to a Bob Weir show. So don't like. Don't become. No, no, it's not here. Like no, I get it. I, I don't get. I don't. I don't bother with the Phil and Bobby. Whatever. I, it doesn't. I don't pay any attention to that. I love them both. I'm definitely more of a Phil. Phil person. I, I resonate more. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I love Bobby too, and I love Bobby shows. And <clears throat> but even from early on in the very beginning, it, it was all about Jerry and Phil for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, our, my friends and we sat in the fill zone and, you know, I mean, whatever. We all gathered to, to puff during set break in fill zone. And, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, but that. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't puff anymore, but yeah. <laughs> I know, Phil, where are you? Come on, we're still waiting. Uh, and I did meet Phil once uh, and I have a photo of it and it's the most awkward photo. It's so funny. It was at Terrapin Crossroads and I was with another friend and I'm on one side of Phil and my other friend is on the other side and the woman that took the picture took it at the most awkward I'm like looking at Phil it's just but it's my only picture of me and Phil but it's it's just awkward and weird and I'm like of course that's my picture with Phil but uh but Phil and my friend are both smiling and I'm looking at Phil with this awkward look anyway (laughs) but for my money if and I love what Bobby's doing with Wolf Brothers. Oh, I, I do. I think it's he's making real magic with Wolf Brothers with the Wolf Pack. Um, but for my money, I, I'd go see Phil any day of the week. Uh, I mean, Phil is man; it just lights me up. Anyway, uh, hey, love you guys. You guys are fucking awesome. Uh, I, I we need to do more of this. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Let's do this again sometime, Anytime. all right? Because I want to hear more about what the beautiful work you guys are doing, okay? Um, and uh, I hope to see you guys this summer. Yeah, you probably will. Okay, I really I hope so. so. Uh, and uh, anything else you want to say before we go? Do you want any, any information or anything you want to say before we sign off? Good. All right, really quick, I wanted to ask about the documentary. 
you said something about the documentary coming up or what's what's the plans with that? Well, we're shopping it. We're talking right now with different ways of doing it from having an NYU student do it to having like a really professional person do it. But we just want to make a three-part documentary that is the first part will be how to grow the cannabis and the kids be involved. And then the second part is how to make the medicine, exactly how to make it. And then the third part is how to use the cannabis medicine for anyone, yourself, your family members, children. So, and just, you know, just have the kids and just how it changes their lives. Just educate, basically just educate people. Cause our real goal is I want to retire. Like I, I would like to teach people how to do what we're doing. It's I say we've got a we've got one of those pyramid scams, but it's like this: save a life, save a life, save a life. So it's like every time I save this child's life, then I want the family to help, you know. And that's how it's been. It's just and that and pediatriccancerconsultants.com is. Um, if you want to look up exactly what we're doing and who we're teamed up with and who's supporting what we're doing, we have some of the top 10 doctors in the country. We have really amazing people standing behind us right now. So it's very exciting. And uh, that's Thank it. You. We're busy changing the world. I can't make it to Dead and Company, but I might show up. <laughs> yeah, I think this stuff's more important. That's more, more important. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to reach out uh, to you. Well, one, yes, when you take photos, please send photos because we'll put them up when we when we promote this episode and, you know, we'll put it up with your episode on our site and our social medias. And um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you, too, about maybe getting some of that salve from you. Uh, and then <laughs> in addition to that, okay, I will. Uh, and we have a very close friend uh, who was just diagnosed with ALS. Oh, I treat um, ALS. Okay. So, yeah, we treat it like oh, it. Okay. We have great results with ALS. Seriously. Oh my God, I'm I'm getting like choked up thinking about it. It's um. Yeah, this medicine. Right. Uh, these. <clears throat> we really Our, okay. see great results with ALS. It infuriates me when they say there's no treatment. There's nothing you can do. Well, yes, there is, and there is something you can do for ALS, and we okay. do it, and we know what to do. And he's a deadhead. Uh, he's been seeing, you know, seeing the Grateful Dead in the mid '60s in Palo Alto. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. Be happy to talk to him, and I can put him in touch with. Also, I like to put the people together, like with the other ALS okay. patients, so they can talk to each other and be like, "Oh, how are you using it? How do you use the salve? Are you doing suppositories? Are you, you know, we oh, I love this. Look at it from every okay. direction. We don't care." You know. I love this so much. We literally just found out the other day and it's our neighbor and, and uh, he and his wife are like grandparents to my daughter, Siggy. So uh, they're really special to us. And um, right. <clears throat> it's but been it's hard. So, that's what it, that's I, I love this. Okay. Person to person, you know. Okay. He just turned 75 and he found out like two days before his 75th birthday. Oh, man. So. Yeah. Well, okay. Not, Beautiful. I love this. It's not as bad of a sentence. If you get on this medicine immediately, don't okay. fuck with the pharmaceuticals because they don't mm -hmm. work. This medicine works so well on ALS. I see people that are suffering so much and can't swallow and have all these issues. Yeah. And if he can still walk and get around, 
then yeah. it's even a better situation because it's a lot he's, easier he's to get somebody where they are than to get back to where somebody was. Right. So okay. I love this. upon diagnosis for ALS high dose cannabis medicine. I'm, I'm going to put him in touch with you. This, all right, that made my day. Awesome. All right, you guys are fucking beautiful. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Okay. Wow, that's really awesome. And super, super inspiring. Uh, super informative. Yeah, I love that. I am. Um, you know, I think both of us are a little out of touch with the cannabis world, you know, being a, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's just out of our wheelhouse these days. Uh, but I love. <clears throat> I love um, when people are finding good, you know, uses for it, medical uses. I mean, I think that's really great. Yeah, I think there's so much exploration in it right now. It's just so unknown. Yeah, possibilities are endless, and I love that um, they're finding results in in treating uh, people, and especially little kids. You know, that's really cool and must be so fulfilling. So uh, good on you. All right, so thanks so much, Hillary and Brett. Thanks for hanging out and shooting the shit with us today. You can find more information about uh, Old School Farms and Hillary and Brett on our website, deadtortales.com. We'll have a link for their store and socials. So check it out. <clears throat> Dead Tortales is brought to you by your friendly neighborhood Dead Merch guys, always a Hoot Studios. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Big thanks to our behind-the-scenes maestro, our producer, Kevin Little General McCracken. And as always, the Grateful Dead for being the soundtrack to our lives. Don't forget to check out our Dead Tour Tales merch. we got some cool shirts at deadtourtales.com and stickers. We have a couple of killer designs by our friends and Grateful Artistic contributors, Aaron Cadigan and Ben Korn. Also check out our other site, alwaysahootstudios.com, where you'll find a wider array of Grateful Dead-inspired merchandise. I think we've still got uh, a pretty killer sale going on oh, over yeah. there too. So we're trying to move some back stock and get some cash flowing before tour. So go check it out. out. Buy some shit. Lastly, please check out our Patreon where you can subscribe for a few measly pennies a month and have the opportunity to receive access to our bonus video footage, sticker packs, t-shirts, an opportunity for a live call-in to the show, or even appear on an episode to talk with us about your experience in the Grateful Dead universe. Uh, you can reach out to us at bananas at deadtortales.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you out on the road sometime. In the meantime, make sure you come back and check out next week's episode. It's going to be a hoot.
Good. 